like you to go with me to the beginning. The first chapter, the first verse, the first line. And this morning for just a few minutes, as this has been a very, very busy week, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. So the past several months, we've been preparing for Courtney and Angel to spend the rest of their life together, and it's been a week of landscaping, moving washer and dryers, moving furniture, painting, shellacking. I've got blisters on my knees, not from praying. After they get married, I'll probably get blisters on my knees from praying. But the, the blisters have been from just trying to get everything done. And it's exciting as the broom prepares a place for his bride. It's always the father that says, okay, it's time to go get your bride. I have not yet given my final consent to this wedding. But so far, as far as we know, Six o'clock at Black Fox Farm, there could possibly be a ceremony. So watch your, uh, watch your Facebook, watch your text, watch your Instagram, and we will let you know if there's any changes. We will let you know. But so far right now, as, as, as we, as we kind of plan uh, the flowers and the food, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a sit-down meal. There will be dancing, and uh, I, I believe that you will enjoy it. And uh, I, th I think it'll be a, I think it's going to be a wonderful time. If it's not, I'll kill him. <laughs> and it'll be a slow death. <laughs> it'll be a slow death. The thought this morning for a few minutes, if you're interested in writing down things or thoughts, is simply consider the source. Consider the source. I remember as a child growing up, I would tell my parents different things, and they would ask me, where did you hear that? And I would tell them where I heard it, and they would always say, well, consider the source. It was always usually in a negative context, consider the source. They're not here, they haven't been here for a long time, but there was a family that went to our church that I think they read the encyclopedia and watched all of the nature shows, programs, and all of them were know-it-alls. They knew something about everything. They were know-it-alls, and, and uh, they had an opinion about everything, and I remember one particular season in their life, they uh, were telling me how to harvest a deer. They were telling me what weapon to use, what tree to climb, what area to hang out in. And what was so ironic is that they had never harvested a deer, ever. They'd gone to tree stands, they sat in the woods, they hunted, but they never actually harvested a deer. And so I'm trying my best not to be a know-it-all because I've Hunt, I've harvested hundreds of big game animals with different weapons. One time I jumped out of a tree and stabbed one with a pair of scissors. I know no one's probably done that before, but I'm pretty intense when it comes to harvesting. So finally, I just got really nice where I kind of got fed up of all of their know-it-all mannerisms. So I actually took them, put them in the woods, put them in a tree stand, and lo and behold, that morning, they actually harvested their first deer. I thought that would shut them up, but now they have become even more uh, pro prolific in, in, in harvest. I remember uh, not too long, it's pro probably about 10 years ago that I went out 
on the golf course, and I love to whack the ball. I never know which fairway it's going to end up on. I never know where it's, but I, I love to whack it. I love to lay that one iron, one wood, and just smack the dog out of it. And so I went with a guy that everything that I did was wrong. I mean, he critiqued even the way I dressed. He didn't like the fact I didn't have a pocket on my shirt. I didn't have a collar. And, and uh, he was, he was bad mouth my game, Chris. And so he went up, he got, he went up, Chris, to hit the ball. He couldn't even hit the ball past the ladies' tees. That's how bad it was. And I'm thinking to myself, consider the source. I remember several years ago, Pastor Ron and I went to uh, a great church in Texas, Tyler, Texas. That's where I had the privilege of meeting Leonard Ravenhill and actually somebody else, Keith Green's wife, Melody. Anyway, it was a great church, a great, a great opportunity, a great ministry, but we all decided to go play racquetball. And so the, the youth pastor and his wife, they were like class A players. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a whacker. I'll go in there and whack it with you. And Pastor Rhonda had never hit a racquetball before in her life. And so she was kind of telling me how not to do it and how to do it. And sometimes you just have to consider the source. Am I helping anybody in the building? Just consider the source. You know, before I gave my heart to God, nobody really cared how I dressed or where I went or what I looked like. But the moment I gave my heart to God, everybody had an opinion. Everybody had some kind of instruction, some kind of counsel, some kind of reprimand. And all I can tell you this morning is to consider the source. This morning, as we consider the source, if you'll notice in the King James, the first chapter, the first line of the Bible, it simply says, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning, Hank. It doesn't say in the beginning, Todd. It doesn't say in the beginning, David. It says in the beginning, God. And what I realize in this first line of the scripture is that God obviously is our source. This morning, I want you to spend just a little time considering your source. Most of us spend time considering our circumstances and what's prevalent, but God wants you to determine what is preeminent in your life, why you're here, who brought you here, who put you where you're at, who gave you what you've got, who gave you the DNA, who gave the ability to, to focus. And when we look at what God has done for us, we are amazing creatures. We talked last Sunday. You weren't here last, last, last week. I encourage you to go to the podcast as we look at a, another look at awesome and we get to talk about the, the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, the, 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 the animals, the different things that God has created, some of the phenomenal things that, that, that creatures can do because God told them to do that. We learned last week after the message that the woodpecker can strike the tree 25 times per second. How scary is that? We, know, we learned that it's aerodynamically impossible, not just for the hummingbird, but for the bumblebee to fly. But yet they do fly because God told them to fly. We know the Canadian geese fly at exactly 71 degrees, which aerodynamically is the per perfect angle of gliding. We know that there are three geese that lead the, the V for, formation. And I like to think those three, those three geese represent the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One goose will take the lead. It will break the wind for the rest of the flock. Then they will switch out. All, just three different geese will switch out, and they will travel. They will travel from the south to the north, from the north to the south. And when you begin to look at the awesomeness of God's creation 
and what he has put together for us, we learn that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't believe in a God, watch a woman bring a child into this world and your mind will be changed. If you don't believe in a God, begin to look at x-rays, begin to look at ultrasound, begin to look at the, the systems in your body, how God brought all of them to work together. The, the ability to, in just a few minutes, we're going to smell some beautiful flowers. The, beauty, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to enjoy food, the ability to walk, the ability to talk, the ability to get out of bed in the morning. Those of you that still can without, without help of someone, of someone else or rails on the side of your bed that you pry yourself up. Never thought I'd have rails on the side of my bed, but it looks like that day is coming. I told my body yesterday, get up. My body said, no, we're going to stay here for a while. So I submitted to my body. But, but when, you really, when you really think about what we can do and the abilities and talents that we can do, it's like almost everyday medical Science discovers some new, some new thing that it can do or some new thing that it can t take place. The fact that we can walk on the moon, the fact that we can have space stations in the air, the fact that we have the ability to build weapons that can destroy entire cities. It really is scary sometimes when you realize the resources that God has given us. But we do all of that because in him we live and move and have our being. He's the one that gives us those thoughts. He's the one that gives us those ideas. He's the one that brings us all together. He puts an unction in your heart to pursue the things of God. He puts an unction in your heart to be what God has called you to be. So this morning, for a few minutes, I would just like to consider the source. As we looked at Genesis 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we don't know when the beginning was, according to the dust on the moon. It could have been millions of years ago, according to the volcanoes, the volcanoes active in Hawaii from the floor of the ocean, the millions of years it took for those islands to form. It could have been millions and millions of years ago. We're not sure. We just know that civilization as we know it from Adam to now has only been 6,000 years or actually six days on God's calendar. In the past six days, God has done so many incredible and phenomenal and exciting things. The Bible doesn't say where God came from, doesn't say who created God, but it simply says that God was, God is, and God did. And today we consider the source that this earth the, the distance from the sun, the sun to the moon, how, how we fit in the universe, how there's so many millions of universes, so many, so many different things that God has created and, and done, how phenomenal and how powerful. If you've never looked at a telescope and, and viewed planets far away, you've never had the ability to look at the moon, the surface of the moon, the, the man on the moon that smiles or whatever his facial expressions are, God did all that because he is God. He said, I alone raise up, I alone tear down, I kill, I bring a life. It's all up to me. And aren't you glad this morning that God is in control? God is a God of action. He's a God of motion right now. Whether you like it or not, you're traveling 60,000 miles an hour. We are circling the sun. We do it every, every day. We do it. And God is a God that likes to see things done his way. Look at somebody and say his way. If you'll notice verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. It doesn't say that the land contemplated. It didn't say the land had a committee. It didn't say the land voted. But the Bible says the land did what God told it to do. God spoke to the land. And all of a sudden trees and flowers and, and everything upon the face of the earth that we see. All the pansies, all the poppies, all the daffodils, all the tulips. Those were all divine inspiration of a God that cares for you. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness there of the world, and they that dwell therein. And the Bible says for our 
our pleasure, they are and were created. That before we were even a speck in our dad's eye, before we were a part of the DNA of Adam, God created a place for you and I to enjoy for the rest of our life. And what a beautiful planet that we live on. What a beautiful thing that God has done. And maybe you've not seen some of the wonders of the world. Maybe you've never seen Niagara Falls, or maybe you've never seen the Colorado or the, or the Mississippi River flow at its power, or seen a wave crashing on a beach, or seen a, seen a tsunami, or an earthquake, or a tornado. Maybe those things you don't want to see. But when you see them, you realize how awesome and how phenomenal God is. He spoke to the land and the land submitted. Look at somebody say, he spoke to the land and the land submitted. Notice verse 20. I'm in the Living Bible, so I'll go back to the King James. Then God said, let the, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And it doesn't say it was so, but we have the assumption there that when God spoke to the ocean, when God spoke to the fowls of the air, that the ocean did exactly what God called it to do. All of a sudden, there are fish on the bottom of the ocean, the halibut. There are fish swimming in the middle of the ocean, the, the, the salmon. There are fish swimming at the top of the water, the mackerel, the, the, the bonita, the, the barracuda. And it happened because God said for it to happen. The ocean didn't have a debate. The ocean didn't have a committee meeting. They didn't have a vote. But the ocean submitted to exactly what God said for it to do because God is a source. Look at somebody say this morning. I'm considering the source. I'm considering the source. Notice, if you will, verse 26. Somewhere in this crazy, here it is. And God said, there he is talking again, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, upon every creaking thing that creepeth upon the earth. How scary, how sensational, how phenomenal, how incredible that God, after creating this world and doing what he did and spoke things into existence, that he would allow us to be the caretakers, that he would put us over the earth, that we would have dominion over the things that crawl. We would, hello, we would have dominion. The Bible says that we can stomp the scorpion and we can stomp the serpent because God has put everything under our feet. The ability to, 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 to rope a cow, the ability to saddle a horse, the, the ability to catch a fish, the ability to go out and, to, and enjoy what God has blessed us with and know that God created, created everything for our pleasure. Why? Because he is. Look at somebody and say he is the source. God is the source. The reason we are in church this morning is that we have come this morning to consider the source. The reason that we read our Bible every day, hopefully, is to consider the source. The reason that we get together in prayer groups or we get together in, in, in personal meetings or we get together at different places in the city and we begin to talk about God because we begin to consider the source of what God has done for us and what is so exciting, what God has started to do, He hasn't completed it yet. Somebody say He hasn't completed what He started. He's not just the author, so he's not just the author, but he's also the finisher. That means if he allowed us to be upon this earth and to begin our journey, he has places for us to go, things for us to do, people for us to see, songs for us to sing, hello, sermons for us to live, because he is the source. Does that excite anybody in the building this morning? I am this morning a limited resource. When you look at what I can do, the things that I can do are very limited to the things that God can do. 
Does that, does that interest anybody today? I, I am not God. I'm not able to do what God does, but I'm able to do what God has encouraged and what God has petitioned me to do. Several years ago, a dear friend of mine passed away, left me the responsibility of his wife and daughter, and, and, uh, and we, were those, we were their caretakers for several years. And I remember one particular day I got a phone call from the daughter. Her and the mom had decided to mow the lawn, so they called me and asked me to come over. And when I went over, and there was a lawnmower, and they said, well, Pastor, where do we plug it in? Well, it was a gas mower. It wasn't the kind of mower that you plug in. But, you know, it is ironic to have a fan or to have a, a, an instrument or to have an amplifier that it will not work. Look at someone say, it will not work unless it's plugged into the power. So what, I, what I've learned, if I am a resource in order to be what I need to be, then I need to consider the source, know where my power comes from, know where my authority comes from, and I need to plug into the power. Three things I want to share with you this morning. Thing number one I want to share is don't ever, ever forget where you came from. Don't ever, ever forget where you came from. In the past 24 years, as being a senior, pa senior pastor, I've seen people come from some very, very scary places. Some very, very scary habits, some very, very scary bondages, some bad relationships, some broken relationships, some illegal scenarios, some gender challenges, some, 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 some bad, bad places. But I have never met anybody that called out to God and wanted God to do something in their life that God didn't come to where they were and turn their life around and change their life. In the past 24 years, I've watched families marry. I've watched families be blessed. I've watched families increase. I've watched families do well. But in several, in several scenarios, I've watched families that have chosen to forget, to decide to forget where they came from. I'll be very, very careful what I say, but I, I remember there have been seasons in my life where husbands have forbidden their wives to give testimony as to where they came from because that testimony now, because they have arrived, is embarrassing to them. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, the reason that God turned your life around and set you straight and healed you and delivered you and blessed you is so that your life could be a light, that you could be salt to someone else, you could be a light to someone else, and that your testimony to make, could make a difference in somebody else's life. But if we get to a place where we're so prideful and we're so concerned about what others will say or think, then we nip our testimony in the bud, we shut that light, we stop being salt, and we're not a blessing to anybody but ourselves. Look at somebody, we're not a blessing to anybody but ourselves. I remember when I thought about, when I thought about, don't ever forget where you came from. I remember there are times in my life when I would tell my parents what I thought they should do, or I told my parents what I thought I should do, or told my, just told my parents, just, just, just whatever I wanted to tell them. Can anybody relate to just telling your parents whatever you wanted to tell them? Have you ever had your mom or your dad look at you with that tone or that look and say, don't get too big for your... I'm not talking about your waistline this morning. I'm talking about how, how tight you're, 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 you fit your pants. But I'm talking about there's a mindset that if we're not careful... We'll forget where we came from. We'll forget what God does for us. And then we form our own opinions, our own formulas that are so out of sync with what God wants to do and what God wants to say. It messes everybody up. 
I remember, I remember for the eight years that I, that I traveled as an evangelist, I thought I could actually play the piano and sing. And I remember that before I preached, it, it really didn't matter what church we were in. It didn't matter how great the singing was. I just felt like I had to sing and play before I played the piano. I remember several years ago, Ron and I preached at the North Cleveland Church of God. It was a great service. It was a, it was a great, everything about the, the service was great. But we had to sing and play the piano before, before we preached. And, you know, sitting there were doctorates of music. And when, I, when I think back now, how, how brave we were, how brash we were, how cocky, how arrogant, how we were that we would sit there when, when there were like recording artists out there in the, in the congregation. And I'm singing, if you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. You can take this earth, its wealth, and I don't need their saying, it's my desire to live for him. And as long as there's one song left in me, as long as there's one chord on the piano, when I get a chance, I'm going to let the world know he brought me up out of a miry pit, out of the horrible clay, set me on a rock, established a song in my mouth, and has made me a light in a dark place. Somebody needs to give the Lord a hand cup of praise in this building. For it is our testimony, the word says, that not only overcomes the enemy, but it's our testimony that brings the gospel where people need to hear it. Realize that where God has brought you from, there are thousands that are still there. Where God has brought you from, there are hundreds that are still in bondage. Where God has brought you from, there are, there are dozens that desperately need to hear what God did for you to build their courage because if God did it for you and you present it correctly, if God did it for you, God will do it for them. That's why God is the source and that's why God is able to heal, to restore, to bless everything that him has stolen. God knows exactly where the enemy hid it. Your talents, your abilities, your future, your blessing. God knows where the devil hid it. And all God has to do is go get it, bring it back to you, because he is the God of restoration. He said, I'll restore years that have been stolen from you. I'll, I'll, I'll restore things that have been stolen from you. Matter of fact, I'll let you kick down the door of the strong man, and I'll let you go in there and just shop around and see what you want, because you have not, because you help me. Ask not. But when you begin to ask God for things, maybe there's stuff that other people refuse to do or don't feel it's important. I want that anointing. There are blessings and giftings that others don't want to operate in. I want to walk in those blessings. And if they're not going to do it, then what's wrong with going to God and say, God, I want all that you got for me and even some extra. Because why? Look at somebody and say, why? Because he is a sword. No, you're supposed to tell them they're the sword. This, this morning, what I have learned with people, we are a generation that doesn't want to hear where we came from. We're a generation that wants to hear where we're going. That's this generation. We want to know what, what we can do, what we can have, what we can be blessed with, what can we accomplish, what can we gain, what, 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 what can, we, can, can we herd in and, and call our own. We don't want to be reminded of where we come from, but we want to be reminded of where we're, we're going. But Psalms 103, 1 through 5 says, Bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Then it says this, Blessed Lord, O oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now watch this. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who, redeemeth, who, who, who crowneth thee with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like what? An eagle. See, we, we, we forget where God brought us from. We forget 
what mess we had made of our life. We forgot the decisions we made that were stupid decisions and got us in places that we didn't really want to be, hanging out with people we didn't like, wearing clothes that didn't fit. Can anybody identify this morning? But God came to where we're at. God gave us the benefits, the blessings. He said, I'm not just going to forgive some of your sins. I'm going to forgive all of your sins. I'm not going to heal just some of your sicknesses. I'm going to heal all of your sickness. I am going to redeem you and restore you that you're going to be like that eagle that strips all the, the, the dead wings, the dead feathers from his body and allows me to restore and rebuild so that he's twice as strong as he's ever been. Is anybody here this morning considering the source with me in this building? It's important to know where you come from so you'll be able to know where you're getting ready to go. If you look at Isaiah 51, a little homework here, or I'm sorry, a little, little research. We learned Wednesday night in Judges that the people did what they thought was right in their own eyes, and it got them in a mess. Look at somebody and say, it got them in a mess. Poor parenting, and that's just my opinion. Isaiah went to Hezekiah and shared, shared a prophetic word of what was going to happen to him. This is the third prophetic word that was shared to Hezekiah. The first two words, Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and called upon God, and God changed his instruction. God changed his mind. Stay here with me. God told Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah, get your house in order. You're a dead man. You'll be dead by tomorrow. And when Isaiah delivered that word to Hezekiah, Hezekiah rolled over in his bed, turned his face towards the wall, began to call upon God. God didn't just heal and restore him, but added 14 years to his life. A, a, a similar word from Isaiah to Hezekiah. Hezekiah called upon God, and God changed his mind. My personal opinion, if Hezekiah would have turned and called out to God, there's a possibility that God would have changed his mind. But God told Hezekiah, a stranger is going to come to your house. It's going to trash all of your possessions. It's going to murder all your kids. It's going to put your family in bondage. It's going to drag you from Jerusalem. It's going to destroy the temple. And Hezekiah said, well, this is a good word because it doesn't apply to me. It applies to my kids. What a lousy, mind, what a lousy mindset, what a lousy frame, what a lousy leader. Can I get an amen in this house? So exactly what God prophesies takes place. The Babylonians come. They level the temple, they murder most of the men, they, they, they take advantage of most of the women and murder them, and they capture the best. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were some of the kids. They put in captive, changed their names, changed their diet, and tried to make them subservient to the Babylonian empire. So here's where they're at. Bad things, look at someone say, bad things have happened to them. But God wants you to know that where you're at is not necessarily where you have to stay. Let me say that again. God wants you to know that where you're at is not necessarily where you have to stay. Notice if you go to Isaiah 51. Four times this passage, God will use the word hearken. That word to you and I is simply listen. We listen to everybody. We listen to everything. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a point of view. And it seems like we're always listening to hear what somebody else has to say. Am I helping anybody in the building? But God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to me. I want you to hearken unto me. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look into the rock wherein you were home and to the hole of the pit which you are digged. 
Look unto Abraham your father, unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Most of us know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's name was Abram. The word Ham actually means father. Later God changed Abraham and Sarah's name both. God called Abraham out of his comfortable place and sent him to a land that he promised him. Most of you know the story. God told Abraham to look up at the stars of the sky and count them. Abraham said, I can't. God said, look at the sands of the sea and count them. Abraham said, I can't. God said, that's how your generation is going to be, as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. And when, 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 when God told Abraham what he was going to do for him, Sarah was eavesdropping like a lot of a lot of women just like to know what's going on. They stick their nose in everywhere. Come on, help me now. And all of a sudden, Sarah heard God tell Abraham that she was going to get pregnant, and she laughed. And God confronted Sarah and said, why did you laugh? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Well, of course, you know, you don't want to admit to God that you laughed at something that God said. Hello. But I think sometimes we hear a lot of sermons and a lot of messages and we, and we just laugh at the promises. We laugh, we laugh at the provisions provided because we really have never really considered the source. If he spoke the worlds into existence, if he spoke fish in the ocean, birds in the air, flowers and all of that, then he's able to come into your barren place, your lonely place, speak to your desert, and turn it into a, blo- <coughs> a blossoming rose. Somebody say amen in this house. I believe on our, I believe on our money... It says, e pluribus uno, is that what it says? Uno, is that what it says? Which simply means, out of many came one. So America was a diversified culture of different cultures, different mindsets, different countries, different, the American Indian, the Spain, the France, all of that. So out of all all those cultures came one culture. But here's what God is reversing that and saying, out of one came many. Because today you cannot number the Jewish nation. You cannot number what God has blessed this, this world with the Jewish nation. They are now as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. Why? Because God said that's what he would do. Notice verse 3. Verse, two, verse 3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, which represents the church. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. It started in a garden. God said, I'm going to take you back to the garden. And her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. They'd lost their song. God said, I'm going to restore your song. I'm going to bring you the things that you've been robbed from. Notice verse 4. Here it says, Hearken unto me, my people, give ear unto me, O my nation, for my law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. The Bible says, They that pursue after righteousness and they that pursue after faithfulness, they will find it if they look hard enough for it. Do I have a a witness in the building? And something that you need to know that God is not intimidated by the things that you're going through. God is not challenged by the things that are attacking your body. God's not challenged by the things that are attacking your marriage. God's not challenged by the things that's challenging your, your, your job. God's not intimidated by your problem. And I think we so often spend a lot of time telling God, about our problem, when you really realize who God is, you start telling your problem about your God. And when you start telling your problem about your God, your problem has to submit. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Your problem has to submit to the purpose and the plan of God. And there's a door there that God wants you to open to reach in and take that which he has set aside for you. He said, if you knock on that door, I'll open that door. And in that door, you'll find righteous and joy and equity of character. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise because there are doors... He wants you to open. 
And when you consider, when you consider, when you get your mind at the right place it needs to be, God said, if you'll consider it, the second thing I want you to know this morning, when you consider your source, then you will know that he wants you to have perfect peace. Now, there, there, are, there are a lot of storms in our life, and we'll share this morning. Every day there are new storms. Every day there are new challenges. But God wants you to operate in a place that when your head hits the pillow at night, you're at peace because you are what God has called you to be, and you're doing what God has called you to do. Does that help anybody in the building? And when you consider God and His greatness and all that He has done, and the more you research how, how great God is, the things He spoke into existence, the easier it is to lay your head down to know, are you ready? God really is in control. He really is in control. No matter what happens, no matter what takes place in your life, if you will play this thing out and you'll walk this thing through and you'll see it to its occurry, the end of the matter, you're going to see God really never left you. He was there the whole time and he shines when he needs to shine. He does what he needs to do. Can somebody say amen with me in this building this morning? Last week I shared a passage of scripture in Matthew 6 and 24. I think the guys are going to help me with that in just a minute. But what we consider to be the greatest sermon, I've got a list of great sermons from, from Spurgeon, from, from, from all kinds of authors and all kinds of artists. I've got Billy Graham's best. I've got, um, I can't even tell you all the, the, the great sermons I have. But the greatest sermon ever preached is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sat down, simple teaching, began to share the Beatitudes, began to share the Sermon on the Mount. And a statement that he made on the, on the Sermon on the Mount is he begins to talk about pride. He begins to talk about lust. He begins to talk about murder. And right there in the middle of those three or four issues he begins to talk about, and he lists them just as dangerous as pride, just as dangerous as murder, God's, Jesus starts talking about worry. If you'll look at me with Matthew 6. And 25. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. I'll sing. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, some you of you are singing. Double. Don't worry. Be happy, don't worry, Come on be now. happy now. Come on, do the do's. Don't worry. Or the woos. Be happy. Be happy. Reach over and grab your neighbor by his left ear and shake him and say, don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Go ahead. Be happy. Be happy. Thanks, guys. You've heard me say it a hundred times. I'll pray this. Probably say a hundred more before I die. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. I'm, I want to tell you this morning that you need to work. Don't worry because worry don't work. That's not good English, but it but it but it, it fits. It almost sounds like a country western song. If I could sing, I would sing it. Work, don't worry. Worry don't work. Look to the birds, they'll teach you a lesson. If you trust in me, I'll give you a blessing. Oh, I'm on a roll now. I'm headed towards American Idol. 
I think there's a second verse. Then lift up your eyes and look to the flowers, because I'm the Lord and I have the power. That was more a psalmist than a country western singer. But anyway, work don't worry, because worry don't work. If there's nothing you solve. And what is so scary, 90% of what you worry about is never going to come to fruition. It's never going to happen. It's never going to take place. Why? Because you know, look at somebody and say, you know the source. You know the source. Let's look at Matthew 6 very, very quick. What did I say, 6 and 24? Yes. 24 is good, too. No man can serve too many. Got to have a made-up mind. Okay, here we go. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? I, I hate to tell you that there were seasons in my life where I hung around people that the only motivation they had that day was where or what they were going to eat. They lived to eat. I'm not exaggerating. That was their, what are we going to do for breakfast? What are we going to do for lunch? What are we going to do for dinner? As we're going through all of this wedding stuff, it's like now there's a lot of focus on what am I going to wear? And it's important that you wear the right thing. And I'm, I'm just going to wear black because black always works. And I know I don't have to rush out and buy a pair of shoes because I got, I, got, I got black shoes. I don't rush out and buy a purse because I don't carry a purse. I don't have to rush out and buy a black shirt because I got a black shirt. I got a black robe. I'm, 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 I'm pretty much ready. I mean, I've, I've done everything. But if you could see my house... You would see hangers. There's a hanger here and there's a hanger here. And should I wear these shoes with this belt? Should I wear this jewelry with this dress? Should I wear? And even little, even little Bailey's got her, she's got her dresses lined up, which one she's going to wear. And Christine's got her all over. Her, her, here's her jewelry and here's her bag and here. And it's like, I know it's important. I'm, I'm not making fun of that. But the word says, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about you're going to. We better go on before I really get in trouble, because I could really get in trouble right here. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feed them. Are you not much better than they? Look at somebody and say, I'm a lot better than Big Bird. Go ahead. I'm a lot better than Big Bird. Now, there are animals. Don't, don't, don't just say, well, I don't have to work. I don't have to save. I don't have to. No, that's not what God is saying. Well, I can eat whatever I want. I have to be in a diet. No, that's not what the... Word of God is saying there are animals, the squirrel will hide and hoard up nuts and things during the spring and summer for the winter. The ant without a leader will store up for the entire winter. They will store up and they will hide. And, and the, the pepsis wasps will, will store up tranches so their, their babies can eat. So I'm not, I'm not telling you those things aren't important. But the Bible says don't worry about those things because, because God is your source. And God said, I promise you I will take care of it. Watch this. Take no thought of raiment. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil, neither spin. I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so for the fun of it, I, I brought some lilies last year. These were only, they were only two, two lilies, but they doubled. And God is a God of, of uh, multiplication. It smell good. Oh, you got gold stuff in your nose right there. Sorry, from the fog. Look how gorgeous that is. Look how it didn't punch a clock. It doesn't lift weights. It's not on a diet. 
It just is what it is because God told it to be. God spoke to the land and said for the lilies to come forth and reproduce. And if you know anything about lilies, that every year the bulbs will double. That if you don't, if you don't take them out of the container and you, and you put them in a bigger container, they won't grow. And I think there's some people here that God wants to take you out of the container you've limited yourself to. And God wants you to put you in a bigger container so you can double, so that you can be a blessing. So you won't just have enough for yourself, but you'll have enough for others. And, and it said, Solomon, it matter, gold, silver, fine linen, purple, no matter how nice he dressed, he'll never be able to match the beauty of those lilies. They don't punch. And God's not telling you not to punch a clock. God's not telling you not to have a job, but God is telling you he's got a feeling. Look at some say, God has a feeling. Everything is going to be okay because he is a source and we are his children and he cares about us. How crazy is that? Corrie ten Boone made this statement. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It only empties today of its strength. Is that not a great statement? It doesn't deal with tomorrow. It just drags you down and, and, and trashes you today. You're worried about stuff, like I said, that will probably never take place, never happen. I know that um, when a storm comes to, to, this, to this area, both my girls get on their, their weather things, and they're, they're looking for tornadoes. And, and there have been seasons there have been seasons in our life when tornadoes have come through, and there's a place in the house that we go that we believe is safe. But I, but I believe a lot of times that we worry about storms that have no... Am I helping anybody? We worry about... And we won't go places. We won't do things. And then other, other times there are, there are things to be concerned about. There are things to worry about. But if you spend every freaking minute of your life worrying about something, hello, you ain't never going to do that because you're going to be too scared to walk outside. Ah, there's a, there's a line in the street. I might go to work. I might get eaten. Oh, the, the airplane could fall. This guy could crash me and burn me. Oh, I get some weird disease. Some roach could bite me and I could get Lyme infection and die before the morning. I'm going to stay in the house and be safe. Can anybody relate to what Pastor is saying? Don't worry. God's got everything under control. Don't make me break out in a sister act part two and start singing, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. There are many that are disconnected from the source. And I don't know that this will work. How many are getting blessed? How many feel they're getting a word from the Lord? How many feel like dancing? Anybody feel like doing, oh, wait a minute. It's got to be turned on to make any noise. And you get the right person up there like Josh on the keyboards. It makes you want to be happy. It makes you want to dance. It makes you want to praise. It makes you want to rejoice. It makes you want to be a part of what God is doing in your life. But you've got to be plugged in. Look at somebody and say, you've got to be plugged in to the source. And we consider the source. He can handle all the plugins in this building. He can handle every emergency, every frustration, every debt, every sorrow, every pain, every concern, every worry. God can handle all of us. He's got it under control. He, he, can, make, he can make it work. Therefore, take no thought, what shall we eat or drink? What shall we say? What shall we clothe? For all these things, watch this. Do the Gentiles sink? 
But your heavenly Father knows that you have need all these things. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Watch this, Brother Gerald. Take no thought for tomorrow, for in tomorrow take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is evil. What what that simply means is don't focus on tomorrow. There are challenges today that you need to deal with and you need to take care of. Said, said there'll, be, there'll be challenges tomorrow, but address the challenges today and ha- handle and operate it one day at a time. No matter how much I meditate or ponder or quote or chant, I cannot add an eighth of an inch to my statue. Now, I can, I can put boots on, I can put a hat on, but physically, I cannot change my height. I cannot do it. And it really doesn't matter what protein bars I do or do not eat. It doesn't matter how much coffee I do or do not drink. It does not matter how, how many diets I'm on. There's a day on a calendar when I'm going to leave this place and I'm going where God's, and I cannot add one hour to my life. The Bible says it's a point, there's an appointment for me to die. And so no matter how much I worry about whether it's cancer and coffee or whether some, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I have, some, I have some ministry friends that are terrified of a mosquito and they didn't fish with me all year last year because they heard that there was a mosquito that has some kind of disease, and if it bites you, you die. And what scares me is, you're a pastor, you're a preacher. If you get bit, just lay hands on yourself and apply the blood of Jesus, and you won't die. You're going to miss a whole season of fishing. Somebody give a Lord a hand clap. That was pretty That really did happen. And after church, I'll give you the name of those pastors if you would like that, the name of those pastors. <coughs> the... Greatest sermon was the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest story is in Luke 15. This Bible has a living Bible and the King James, and directly across from the King James is the, is the living. I want to read you what the living Bible has to say here. Dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' sermons. But this caused complaints from the Jewish religious leaders and the experts on Jewish law because he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. Somebody said, I don't want to go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. And my attitude is, duh. You go to a bar, you won't find any hypocrites. Come on. You go to a drug deal, you won't find any hypocrites. The church is going to have hypocrites. It, that, that's the way it is. And that's, you know, my attitude is, if you're here and you're a hypocrite, I believe in the power of the word that can rock your world in such a way that you don't want to be a hypocrite anymore, that you want to live this not just Sunday morning, Wednesday night, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It becomes contagious. It becomes infectious, and you cannot live without it. That's, that's my prayer. We are a hospital. In the hospital, there are sick people. Saying those churches full of hypocrites like going to the ER and saying, there's a bunch of sick people here. Duh. So, you know, Jesus, knowing that they're saying all this, Man, he's hanging, he's, hanging with, he's hanging with drug dealers, and he's hanging with mafia, notorious, despicable me. I mean, he's got some despicable people. Knowing this, he tells them a story of someone left the, someone left the 
cake out in the rain. <laughs> someone, left the, someone left the door open, and a sheep got out. There's no blame there. It's just the sheep. Someone left the door open. Someone said something they shouldn't have said, and the sheep got out, and the shepherd left the healthy and went and found the lost, and the whole heaven rejoiced and, 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 and praised God over that. He talked about the tithe. There were 10 coins. She lost one. It's easy financially in the world we live in. It's easy to tap in and have to spend the tithe to pay the bills. Can anybody relate? And this girl realized there's an area of my life that's out of order. It's my, it's my giving to God. She cleans house. She sweeps house. She says, there's a bunch of clutter here I really don't need. Am I helping anybody? If we pursue stuff like the Gentiles, if all of our life is about stuff, then we get bondage to that credit card. We get bondage to that monthly payment. We get bondage to things that we take on that we really don't need, but we can't live without it. Am I helping anybody? Then all of a sudden you can't pay all your bills and, and you have to spend God's money. And here's what she realized. I don't want to spend God's money. She cleaned house. She found her tithe. And the Bible said all of heaven rejoiced. And then probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible if you look at verse, I believe, 11. Many people share this as a parable. David, I do not believe it's a parable. The Bible says there was a certain man. Either there was or there wasn't. Right. The certain man had two sons. Notice what's missing in this equation. The mom. We have a generation of missing moms and missing dads. The Bible says in the last days, I'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children the hearts of the children back to the fathers, but we are a generation of divorce. We're a generation where there are important people in our life that are missing. The baby of the family is usually a mama's boy. Mama's not here. The baby in the family makes up his mind. He wants to leave. He asks dad for his stuff. Dad, dad does not just give him his stuff, but the older son, someone say the older son, got his portion also. I mean, a lot of people never catch that in the story. And had it been me, I would have been thankful for the younger son that he had the, to, he had the gumption to ask for the portion that I got my portion too. So we know what happens. He packs everything. He goes into a far land. And the Bible says he wastes his substance with righteous living. We don't know if, we, if he partied. We don't know if he drank. We don't know if he did. We don't know what he really did. But we know that when you unplug yourself from the source and take your resource, it won't take very long before your resource becomes dormant. I'm going to ask Brother David to take one, smell it, and pass it around. Just take one. Just one. Take that one. Thank you if you'll take one, smell it, and pass it around. If you'll take one. Got it? Oh, good catch. I'm impressed. Those of you listening to my podcast, I'm giving everyone in the building a $100 bill. There's a story behind this, uh, this plant. In uh, the lobby of the airport in Waikiki, they had these packaged sticks. It was a stick, Missy. And so I bought the stick, took the stick home, 
put in a glass of water and put it on the sink. And in a few weeks, roots started growing from the, this being in the sun, the photosynthesis and all of that. I planted the stick in the ground. This morning, that stick is 10 foot tall, and there's over 300 of these attached to it. The fragrance is phenomenal. The Hawaiians have a custom that when you, when you, when you enter their country, they put a lay of beautiful flowers around your neck that stay fragrant all day. You can put that lay in the crisper of your motel uh, ice refrigerator, and it'll stay fresh the next day. But after the third or fourth day, it loses its smell, and it begins to, to, to wither. This morning, as we are plugged into God and the things of God, and we know that He is our source, we operate in our resources. But when we decide to disconnect from the source, and we decide to take our stuff, it doesn't take very long before we run out of our stuff. Another thing about worship, as a part of the apothecary, we are to bring a sweet savor to God. When, when Noah was on the ark for a year, the boat got out, the family got out. The Bible said he built an altar. He sacrificed animals. He burnt them. And the Bible says the savor went up to God. And God said, this is a well-pleasing savor. And he promised the world that he would never again destroy it by water. And he created a rainbow. And from that day till now, 4,000 years, God has not destroyed the world with water because God received that fragrance. God received that worship that appreciation and as we come to church on Sunday morning and we offer up that that fragrance and that savor God stands and makes promises that only he can perform and declares statements that only he can follow through and he, he addresses things that only he can take care of he is our source and what a mighty God he is this morning if anybody wants to take this stick and plant it water uh, please feel free so he he takes his stuff, he separates himself from God, starts doing his own thing, and then all of a sudden, <coughs> there's a famine in the land. He does not budget, he does not save, he does not plan. He becomes broke and becomes hungry. And to feed himself, he becomes a citizen of that country. There are two countries today, it's very important you catch this. There is a city whose builder and maker is God. And the word said Abraham left the country that he was a part of and he pursued seeking a better country. There is a better country. This place is not our home. We are inhabiting here, but our home is in heaven with our father and our brother. And there's a day coming when God's going to call our name and we're going to go to that better country. Don't be so invested in this country that you miss that move, that you miss that opportunity, that you miss that invitation. Because if you put all of your faith and all of your trust in this country, it will burn you and leave you in a famine. He joins himself to that country doesn't make it any better, finds himself doing stuff he would never, ever do. I remember all my life in my younger age, I'll never take drugs. I'll never drink alcohol. I'll never smoke. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. But when you're a part of that country, you find yourself doing things that other people are doing in that country. And sometimes in that country, we find ourselves in a wrong relationship. 
Sometimes we find ourselves in that country doing evils and doing sins we would never, ever contemplate when we were a part of the family of God. Am I talking to anybody in the house this morning? And he finds himself in that country. And he finds himself, and for a Jewish boy to be feeding pigs, that's profane. That was blasphemy. That was directly against the menorah and everything that he knew. But you will find yourself doing things you said you would never do because you're hungry. And as he's looking at this pig food, pig slop, deciding whether he should eat it or not, he, re he remembers. And thank God for the power of memory. Thank God for remembering where God brought you from to where you are now. He remembers his father, he remembers his father's house, he remembers his father's servant, he remembers everything about the father. And so from the, from, the, from the pig pen to the father's front porch, he in his mind works on, a, works on a statement, works on a thesis, works on a declaration. He finds his father, the father I have sinned, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, I just come back to be your servant. And if, and if I can say what the King James doesn't say, the father looks at the son and says, Silly goose, you were dead, but now you're alive. You were lost, but now you're found. You were gone, but now you're home. We're going to have a feast, get the best robe, get the ring, get the sandals, get the, get the fatted cat, get the, get the dancer, get the singers. We're going to party because my son who was, watch this, he wasn't really dead, but he was ostracized from his father, so he was dead. When you get, when you get caught up in the things of life, you become dead spiritually. The spiritual man doesn't call out in, in hunger, doesn't call out for prayer, doesn't call out for miracles, call out for worship. It's like, it's like we become disconnected, disjointed, and we find ourselves separated, divided from the family of God. And he, and he realized that. So you can, you can be alive and still be dead, disconnected from God. But he gets reconnected. And you know the story, you know what the calf and the, and the ring, I, I don't have time for all that this morning, but as there's party and music and celebration, the older brother is in the field. He hears the music. I mean, they're really celebrating. They're really having a good time. He hears the music. He says, what's going on? He said, your brother's come home and your dad is celebrating. And the older son got an attitude. He said, all these years I've worked for you. You've never had to kill a calf for me. You've never had my friends over. You've never had a party, a celebration. And then your son, I won't even say his name, your son who, who runs off with, with, with all, of your, all of your fortune, he also got a fortune. He didn't bring that up, did he? He probably have a dirt bike, a bass boat, and a swimming pool. But he didn't bring that up. Your son, and watch, watch this spirit of accusation, who wasted his money on harlots. Nowhere in the passage does it say he spent his money on a prostitute. But sometimes Christians are so bad at judging others when they come out of sin and they come back to the church and be part of the family of God. We're so bad to point our finger and make them so bad when they're not really that bad. They're just lost. But now they're found. And, and the third thing that I want you to know this morning. First thing, remember where God, you, God brought you from. Second thing, remember you consider the source. You stay in perfect peace. The third thing I want you to remember. And I love this. If God has it, you have it. If God has it, you have it. The dad looks at the son. All I have is yours. 
You could have a party anytime you wanted. You could have your friends over anytime you wanted. The refrigerator's full. Here's the debit card. The car's full of gas. Everything I own is yours. See, you can be in the world and starving, or you can be in the church slaving. You might feel like you're going to earn your way into heaven. And maybe you resent the fact when others get saved. Or maybe you're in the world and you're starving and you're lost in the world. Two sons, one can be starving in the world, one can be slaving in the church. Neither one realizing, if I've got it, it's yours. All I have belongs to you. I'm your father. I love you. I care about you. I own a cattle of a thousand hills. I give the cattle. I give the hills. And if I've got it, you've got it. And if God has joy, that means you have joy. If God has hope, that means you have hope. If God has favor, that means you have favor. If God has grace, that means you have grace. If God has mercy, that means you have mercy. God doesn't care what you smell like, where you've been, how you messed up, how many things you've ruined. God said old things are passed away. All things are become new. If I've got it, I want you to have it in Jesus' name. That was, a cool, that was a cool sermon, wasn't it? Stop focusing on your problem. Start focusing on your source. If God be for me, who in heaven, who in hell, who above hell, who below hell can possibly be against me? Touch us this day. We have brought a sweet sacrifice. Josh and Chris and Tanner brought us into your presence. Allow us to be that, that, that beautiful bloom, that, 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 that flower that has a sweet.